Hey everybody, this is Matt, pastor and disciple of Jesus Christ, and you are listening to The Truth Podcast, the show that sheds the light of the truth on the things that truly matter. And today we're going to talk about faithfulness. Now, I realize this is a topic that seems to have lost all sense of meaning in the culture in which we now live. Because, after all, we live in a time and in an age when we have a mentality that says, if it feels good, then do it. And if it doesn't feel good, or if it doesn't make you happy, then simply get rid of it and find something else. Because, after all, you deserve to be happy. You deserve happiness and health and wealth and prosperity because life is short, right? Well, not necessarily. We are called to be faithful, however, especially those of us who are Christ followers. You see, if you are a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ, we should be the ones that live this out because it is our Heavenly Father who is the perfect example of faithfulness. It's our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lived out what it means to have a faithful life here on earth. So it is those who follow in His footsteps, those who call themselves Christ followers, that they too should be faithful. Faithful in our marriages, faithful to our kids, faithful to our jobs, but more than that, faithful to read our Bibles, to pray, and even faithful to attend church. But before we get started, I, I want to make sure that we understand what we're talking about. I know you know we're talking about faithfulness, but what does that word mean? Well, the word itself means the character of one who can be relied upon. That's what the word faithfulness means. In other words, it means that if you say that you will do something, then you do it. If you say that you'll be there at a certain time, then you're there. You see, faithfulness means that you're true to your words, to your plans, to what you have agreed on. Paul, in 2 Thessalonians 3.3 3 says, The Lord is faithful. When we think about that statement, it, it makes it very, very clear. The Lord is faithful. Well, you see, Paul can make that statement because everything that the Lord has said, every promise that he's made, if it has not yet come true, it will. But we can look back on the whole history of the Bible at all of the promises that have been fulfilled to the letter because God is faithful. So how do we examine our own life to see if we are faithful? Well, first I want us to look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. In Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit, and one of them is faithfulness. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 read, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
So what does that mean for the Christian to be faithful? Before we jump into what it means for the Christian, let's go back and look at the society in which we live. Because we live in an age when people aren't faithful to much of anything. We divorce at an alarming rate. We agree to something and then we find a way to back out of it. When we say whatever we have to say to get what we need to get done, but we're really quick to back out of the terms and not necessarily follow through on what we have agreed to. And this goes for everything. We live in a culture in which we're not faithful in our marriages. We're not faithful to our children. We're not even faithful to our own sports teams. Let's just take marriage. Because I think the vast majority of us, when we talk about faithfulness, think of marriage. So we're just going to take marriage for, for just a few minutes. But I want you to think back with me, and perhaps you're old enough to think back not that far. There was a time when the word divorce didn't occur in our vocabulary as often as it does. And there was a time in our society when actual divorces didn't take place like they do today. It just didn't happen. And if it did happen, it wasn't promoted. It wasn't talked about. It wasn't celebrated. But you see, that was a different time. This was a time back when there was still prayer in schools. This was a time back when we could pray and, and read the Bible. But you see, there's a direct correlation between God's Word and our society. In the time that I'm speaking of, it was okay to pray in public. It was okay to read your Bible at school. But you see, as a society, we have decided that we didn't need God in our schools. We've decided that we didn't need God in anything, actually. And you see, we've removed God, and now our society begins to crumble. And people want to ask each other, I don't really understand why it is that, that we have fallen into all of the problems that we have as a society. Why is it that the LGBTQT has just taken off as it has? It's happened because of the dissolving of the family that God set in place. You see, when we took God out of our families, they began to crumble. And divorce just began to be okay. Widely accepted and occurring all the time. It's a common occurrence, occurrence nowadays. People just get divorced for just about any reason they deem fit. We get divorced over money or sex or what we like to chalk it up to as irreconcilable differences. Which, in most cases, means I'm no longer happy in this relationship and I want to go and find someone who will make me happy. That's the problem. Because now we live with the mentality that 
if I'm not happy with someone, well, then I'll just get rid of them and I'll replace them with a newer one or a younger one or a smarter one or a wealthier one or one that brings me more excitement. You see, we're not faithful to the commitment that we made before God and others. You remember the commitment to have and to hold in sickness and in health and good time and bad until death parts us. You see, that's a commitment. That is an agreement before God and all of the witnesses that were there. Now, we're going to stick this thing out. It doesn't matter how rough it gets. We're going to stick this thing out. We're going to remain faithful to each other and to the commitment that we've made. But you see, we've just tossed that out the window. And now we no longer live by the Bible because in Mark 10 it says that whatever God puts together, let no man tear apart. But you see, we no longer live by God's rules because we've put in our own. It's an epidemic. That's just one aspect. That is just marriage and how we're no longer faithful in marriage. But my point here is not marriage. My point is the Christian life. You see, when I think about faithfulness, my, my mind goes to what it is that the Christian has been called to do. Because let's face it, we live in an age of absolutely soft Christianity. We're living in an age when there's a number, a large number of people who are Christian only by name. And I can say that because what they actually live out doesn't match up to what they claim they believe. We live in a time when there's so many so-called Christians who have zero interest in spending time in the Bible. They have zero interest in spending time in prayer. And they're less than zero interested in attending church with regularity. You see, we live in a time when people view church simply as something that needs to be checked off the list. It's merely a checklist. So they show up on Sunday morning with no real intention to actually worship God. Instead, they show up just to check that box for the day. And when they show up, they get their little bit of Jesus that they can get. And they go out into the world. They try to make it through the rest of the week. And they have zero interest in opening God's word to see what he actually says to them. They've got zero interest in praying and they've got zero interest in fellowshipping with one another. Not again on Sunday night or on Wednesday night for that matter. And I can say this with confidence because this explains why most churches close and lock their doors at noon on Sunday. And they don't open them back up for worship again until the next Sunday morning. If Christians wanted to gather together and to seek God in the middle of the week, then our churches would be packed on Wednesday night or whatever night it was you chose to gather. But that's simply not the case. 
Instead, we come in and we have zero interest in serving, zero interest in helping, and really we have zero interest in worshiping. We, we showed up because it's part of our routine. We showed up because we know on Sunday morning we go to church because we've been doing the same thing for the last 35 years. And it helps us sleep a little better at night because we've checked that box for what we had to do for the day. That wasn't always the case. Go back and read history. Go look at someone like Charles Spurgeon. You know the reason that Charles Spurgeon preached so many sermons? It's because so many people wanted to hear him preach. They were hungry. They wanted to know what the Bible said. They wanted to be they wanted to be fed constantly. So they would have services more than just one on a Sunday morning. They would have multiple services throughout the entire week. We don't do that. You see, that's the difference. Now we live in an age and in a time when even the so-called Christians are not hungry. But what if we showed up with the anticipation of seeing what God could do in our lives? What if we showed up expecting to hear the words of God through the man at the front? What if we showed up not to check a box, but to check our heart? You see, we're living in the world every single day. But guess what? The world is rubbing off on us. We're no longer faithful as we once were. What about reading our Bibles? There's a rampant epidemic of biblical illiteracy. Even among those who go to church. They have no idea what their Bible says and they they show up with a closed Bible so the man up front can tell them what they need to tell them and they can get through the next week until they can come back Sunday morning to be refilled. Do you know how many times I've had conversations with someone and they tell me, well, you know, in the Bible it says... And then the words that come after that statement are not even in the Bible. It happens often. How in the world could that take place? It takes place because they showed up and they listened to someone teach them. And they never opened their own Bibles to check to see if what they were being taught was actually in the Bible. They never made sure that the guy up front was not selling them a bill of goods. And they never looked to see what he said was true. Instead, they took what he said and they took it as gospel truth. And now they go out and they share that information. You say, Matt, that doesn't happen in churches. Watch yourselves. There have been a number of times that People will take a verse out of context and they will use it to say what they want it to say. But if you've read your Bible and you know what your Bible says, then you know that's wrong. 
they're not going to make it obvious. They're not going to open their Bibles and they're not going to tell you that we should be worshiping Satan over God. But they can take what God said and they can bend it. And they can mold it and they can shape it to make it fit their ideology. To make it fit their worldview on things like same-sex marriage. On things like women in the pastorate. You see, when we take these, we take them and, and we take what the Bible says and we begin to bend and mold and shape so it fits into our mold. Be careful. Part of the reason that people don't read their Bibles is because we have screens in our churches. Now, I like the idea of screens for worship, but I loathe the idea of screens for teaching the biblical text. Because so many people rely on those screens and they don't open their Bible, they don't carry their Bible, they don't read their Bibles. Because after all, it's on a screen. And I understand that. But please be careful. So, my question for us today is, am I faithful? Now, I've been teaching through the fruit of the Spirit on Sunday nights. And a few weeks ago, I made the statement that the biggest thing that the study in the fruit of the Spirit has shown me is that how much I have to depend on God and His Spirit. Because outside of the fruit outside of the spirit of god the fruit would never show up in my life i wouldn't be loving or patient or kind or faithful but it's because of the work of the spirit of god in the lives of christians that makes these things become more and more evident you see we should be growing in the fruit of the spirit constantly every day but you see, that means growing in faithfulness because faithfulness is one of those. We're, we should be growing more faithful in all that we do, more faithful to God, more faithful to His Word, more faithful in sharing our faith. As Christ's followers, we are to look like our older brother, Jesus Christ. So I just want to stop just for a few seconds and just show you Two texts of Scripture is the example that he set for us. John 6, verses 38 through 40. Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. You see, Jesus came to do the work that His Father had set for Him to do. He came to make a way so that all humanity could have a way back to God the Father. And to be able to enjoy fellowship with him again. 
And Jesus faithfully carried out everything that God asked him to do. He came and he lived a life that we could not live. And he died a death so we would not have to. And he was buried and he descended into the depths of hell to retrieve the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And then he arose. Look at what the book of Revelation says. Revelation 19, 11 through 13. John writes, Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He's clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. The reason that John calls Jesus Christ faithful and true is because he is just that. He is faithful and true. Everything that he has said has either come to pass or it will come to pass. And he is faithful. His character is one that can be depended upon. So my question for us today is, do we look like Jesus? Do we do the things that God has asked us to do, that he has set before us, and do we do them faithfully? You may say, well, I don't know what he's asked me to do. Well, number one, he's asked you to love him above all others. You remember they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? What did he say? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Do you do that? Do you love him enough to talk to him regularly? Do you love him enough to read what he has written for you? So that through his spirit, he can grow you and make us into the person that he needs us to be? Do you gather with like-minded people for corporate worship? And do you share the good news? You see, he has given us things to do. He has told us the things that he would like us to do. Things like read our Bibles. Because how else would we know what to do if we don't read our Bibles? Things like prayer. Things like sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. So let's talk about those just for a moment. If you're married, you love your spouse, right? You like to talk with them and you want to know what they think and you want to tell them what you think. And if you've had a bad day, you you, you run to them because you want to tell them how mad you are and how frustrated you were and how much the words of another hurt. The same thing applies for God. You see, he loves us so much, and he wants to talk to us regularly. So, I have a principle in my life that I I try to apply to everything. And that is, if it doesn't work in the life of Jesus, then it 
should not work in mine. If it does not work in the life of Jesus, then it should not work in mine. So, if Jesus prayed all the time, then I need to be in constant prayer. But if Jesus never really prayed and he neglected that and it was not something that he was overly concerned about, well then, I shouldn't be overly concerned about it either. So here's your homework. Go through the Gospels and count the number of times that Jesus gets alone so he can pray to God. I'm just going to tell you, it's a bunch. In fact, he went so often to pray that Judas in the Garden of Gethsemane, he knew where he would be. Judas knew where Jesus was going to be because it was so much of Jesus' life that it was essentially routine. Do you talk with God enough that it becomes a routine? Or do you rarely ever talk to Him? Paul in Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then Paul again in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, Pray without ceasing. In other words, don't stop praying. Always be praying. I told our congregation a few days ago that prayer is the most powerful tool that the Christian has. And I honestly believe that. What about reading our Bibles? How much do you read your Bible? If prayer is us talking to God, then us reading our Bibles is God talking to us. Reading our Bibles is where we come and we get the game plan. We, we figure out how it is we are to live and what we are to do. Have you ever been written a love letter? I have a very old letter that my wife wrote me years before we were married. And it's probably... 13 or 14 years old now. And I pulled it out the other day and I read it and the paper is thin and the purple ink has practically almost faded. But it still means the world to me. The Bible is God's love letter to us. So why don't we treat it like that? Instead, we take our Bibles and we treat it like a literature book that our teacher sent home for us to read over the weekend and every day we walk past it and we have that mentality of, man, I really need to, to get into this book and read it, but I'll get it later. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You want to live a life that is honoring and glorifying to God, get in the Word of God. Store up the Word of God in your heart so that you might not sin against Him. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17 says, 
All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. The reason we read our Bible is so that we can grow into the people that God needs us and wants us to be. So he can equip us for every good work. What about spreading the good news of Jesus Christ? And telling all that we come in contact with that Jesus Christ is still in the business of saving people's lives. How well are you doing on this? Because remember, the last charge that Jesus gave his disciples was to go out into the world and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that he had commanded. What did the world what would the world look like if we all who claim to be Christ followers went out on fire for God and told everyone we come in contact with that God loves them and that he sent his son to die for them? How vastly different our world would be. But again, I have to go back to the way that I try to apply things to my life. Was Jesus concerned that all the people that he met in his own life knew about him and come into a relationship with him? Absolutely. Well, then why in the world are we not? We're not because we're selfish. We're not because we're waiting on someone else to have the hard conversation with our friends. We're not because... We don't want to look like a weirdo at the office. However, we overlook one important aspect. Do you not think that dying naked on a Roman cross was embarrassing? Do you not think that being spit on was embarrassing? Because I assure you, it was. You see, that was the whole point for the Romans. They did want to kill him, but they wanted to embarrass him more than they did anything else. That's the way Roman crucifixions worked. But Jesus Christ was faithful. Hear me. That embarrassment of dying on a Roman cross naked he was faithful to what his father asked him to do. Being beaten and spit upon, he was faithful and did exactly what his father asked him to do. The question for you and for my own heart is, am I faithful? Am I faithful in my marriage? Am I faithful on my job? Am I faithful to my kids? But more important than all of that, am I faithful to the one who has always been faithful to me? Or are there things that I need to fall on my face and seek forgiveness for? And do a 180 and come back to the place where I can faithfully serve the Lord.
Let me, let me remind you what Jesus said toward the end of Matthew. Matthew twenty five twenty one. Jesus said the same thing that all Christians should desire and long to hear from God. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Good and faithful servant. Let me just stop and pause for just a second. Notice that it's not good and successful servant. Jesus Christ doesn't call you to be successful. He calls you to be faithful. So you may go and, and try to share your faith with somebody at the office. And they may laugh at you, and they may turn around and never accept Jesus Christ. And in the eyes of humanity, that may look like a failure. It may not look like success. But that's not what Jesus asked you to do. You don't save anybody. He's asked you to be faithful, not successful. If you're faithful, he will bring the success. So if you go out and you share your faith and it's not successful in the world, in the eyes of the world, don't worry about it. Continue to be faithful. That's the important thing. One thing about all the different aspects of the fruit of the Spirit that I've tried to help those who hear me teach each week is that we are called to be lights in this dark world. And if we are truly becoming more Christ-like, if we're seeing more of that fruit pop up in our lives, then we will shine more and more bright for Jesus Christ. But one of those aspects is faithfulness. So let me ask you the hard question that I have to ask myself. Christian, are you faithfully serving God? Or are you just playing a part? I want to thank you for being a part of this podcast today. And I look forward to seeing you back here next week. And I hope that if you like this podcast, you will tell your friends and your loved ones and invite them in to the truth. If you want to reach out to me, you can do that also by email, thetruthpod1 at gmail.com, thetruthpod1 at gmail.com. If you have any questions or even an idea that you would like for to hear us discuss, please feel free to drop me an email. And finally, remember, you are loved. You are always seen. So live vertically. God bless.